0: This episode features dramatizations of gore, body horror, ableism, harm against minors, miscarriage, suicide, and domestic violence. Listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners under 13. If you or someone you know is experiencing domestic violence in any form, help is available. The National Domestic Violence Hotline provides free, confidential support. 24-7. Call 1-800-799-SAFE or visit thehotline.org. Please note, the story you're about to hear is not a direct retelling of any single depiction of Oiwa and the Yotsuya Kaidan. Today's episode combines elements from a number of Japanese legends and stories for dramatic effect. Hello everyone, I'm Vanessa Richardson, and this is Mythical Monsters, a Spotify original from Parcast. This week we reach the end of our series on Monsters of Revenge. We've seen all kinds of monstrous motives, from personal vendettas to societal ills. But what unites all these creatures is the way they carry out justice by going for the jugular. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today we meet Oiwa, Japan's most famous onryo, or vengeful ghost. She has a frightening, disfigured appearance, but it's nothing compared to the terror of her powers. Oiwa is a mistress of illusion, warping the realities of her victims until they destroy everyone they've ever loved. Coming up, we meet a wronged woman with a deadly sense of justice.
1: This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be.
2: New season, out on Spotify soon.
0: It's said that in 1636, a beautiful young Japanese wife died a painful, unjust death in Yotsuya, a small farming village outside of Tokyo. The details of her story have changed with the telling, but her appearance remains the same, a scarred and mangled face, her right eye swollen and drooping as a result of her cruel husband's abuse. Having been disfigured in life, her ghostly form is able to disfigure reality itself, manipulating her victims into destroying what they hold most dear thanks to horrifying hallucinations the 17th century tale of Oiwa, also known as the Yotsuya Kaidan, is one of Japan's most adapted stories. Her suffering has resonated throughout Japanese art for generations, and she appears in everything from a wildly popular 1825 kabuki play to manga, television, and films. But anyone adapting it must be cautious. They say it's best to visit Oiwa's grave and shrines in Tokyo to promise that they'll tell her story right. So join us as we do our best for Japan's First Lady of Fear. What could go wrong? It was said all over the village of Yotsuya that Ieman was so lucky to have Oiwa for a wife. Her hair was dark as forest night, her skin a warm tan like clay, her eyes were bright with long lashes, her earthy brown pupils glimmering like polished wood. But Ieman had forgotten that. He'd forgotten that he was meant to be true, that he was meant to take care of her forever. He'd forgotten Oiwa's love. He'd decided to love another. Her name was Oume. Oume was beautiful too, but if you asked Oiwa, Oume's eyes were not as bright as hers, and her hands were not as deft. Iemon didn't seem to care. He had been a ronin, a masterless samurai. He'd made his living making umbrellas. But now, thanks to Oume, he was the son-in-law of a venerable man. Their wedding was beautiful. Oume's grandfather was a doctor to the shogun, and he commissioned a dowry that impressed the whole village. Glinting gold cosmetic boxes, tea tables, writing desks, enough to fill a whole house. When the groom was past the makie box, there wasn't a dry eye. Ieman and Oume drew the pale shells from the little eight-sided box, the only two matching out of all 360. This, it was said, meant that Oume was the only one for him. Oiwa couldn't hide her anger when Oume removed her white silk hood, her round cow's eyes looking up at her new husband, the innocent picture of devotion. But no one noticed Oiwa. No one cared. She wasn't even surprised when the guests walked straight through her on their way out. Oiwa was dead, dead and no one knew she was watching her husband marry another. She didn't understand how Ieman had moved on so quickly, or recall how Oume had sunk her claws in so deeply. In fact, Oiwa did not even remember how she died, but she was resolved to remain here until someone paid. The happy couple made love that night in their new home, Oiwa did not stay to witness that. Such things had always been uncomfortable for her, even in life. But when the bride and groom were sleeping, Oiwa crept between them. As she stared, she suddenly had a flash, a memory of how lovely Omei's smile had been when she'd first come to say hello. What a kind new neighbor she was. Oiwa thought for a moment, then sunk down to place her incorporeal form within Oume's. Suddenly, she felt a strange rush of cold, wet air, as if she'd sunk to the bottom of a deep riverbed. Oiwa felt an undercurrent of contentment. The feeling wasn't hers. No, she was swimming in a pool of Oume's gloating. Oiwa supposed that Oume had the right to gloat. She'd won after all, but her bliss only made Oiwa angrier. She forced herself to distill that rage until she was struck by clarity and reminded of her task. Oume had to pay. Oiwa raised her hand to Ieman's cheek, running her sickly gray finger along his jaw wake up my darling there is something i want you to see ieman smiled before he opened his eyes a sigh of contentment died in his throat his first wife oiwa lay before him her skin was raw and cracked her right eye bulging with tears she couldn't control a few brittle hairs clung to her head Iemon cried out, reaching for his sword like the Ronin he was. He slashed at Oiwa's throat, but Oiwa was gone. Oume lay in her place as she had always been, only now Oume's throat was slit. She looked more surprised than horrified. Her eyes rolled up in her head like rice balls. Even in death, she was spared true pain. Oiwa hovered over the bed and smiled as her husband gaped at the blood spurting from his new wife's corpse. Iemon had never had to clean up his own messes before. What would he do now? With his marital bed dyed crimson, thanks to his own wrongdoing. He would run, it seemed, as he always did. O'Iwa watched him rush out of bed to dress. It was a shame. The fancy clothes that Oume's grandfather had bought him did not fit him as they should. O'Iwa had always been an excellent tailor, but it was too late for that now. It was raining that night, and the river threatened to overrun its banks. Ieman hurried along, averting his eyes from the churning waves, even as a horrible scent of rot rose from the water below. Oiwa followed along and found herself overtaken by the smell. The water seemed to rise up beneath her. She felt like she was drowning in midair, even though she no longer had lungs. Then, a flash of lightning forced her to remember what she'd hoped to forget – the way she had died, the way Iemon had killed her. She saw an image in her mind, Iemon binding Oiwa's broken body to a door and tossing her into the water. Even if she hadn't sought revenge, she would have been forced to wander the earth. No one had given her her last rights. Oiwa told herself that was all right. She thought her purpose was to punish Oume, but that was merely a prelude. Now, she would expose Iemon's crimes. She wasn't sure how he'd beaten and disfigured her or what other tortures he'd inflicted, but she'd follow him until she remembered. She followed him through the rain and the darkening gloom of night. She followed him until a strange sensation tingled in her ghostly limbs. She followed him until his footsteps started to slow and she could name that sensation, familiarity, a memory. And then she started to grin. Her voice a wisp on the rain-soaked wind, she whispered, Yes, my love, take me home. Coming up, O'Iwa shows Iemon a deadly truth.
2: Hi there, it's Carter from ParCast. If you haven't had a chance to check out the riveting true crime series Solved Murders, there's no better time to tune in. Throughout the month of August, Solved Murders is featuring four celebrations that took a turn for the deadly in a special series we're calling Party Fowls. From a murder in the New York nightclub scene and the house party gone horribly wrong, to a terrifying evening at the Tate residence and a sex party with sinister results, go deeper inside four affairs remembered for all the wrong reasons. And if you like what you hear with Party Fowls and want to uncover more of history's most captivating cases, be sure to follow Solved Murders on Spotify. There you'll find a new episode released every Wednesday. Solved Murders is a Spotify original from Parcast.
1: Listen free only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness.
0: The spirit named Oiwa watched as her husband Ieman wobbled in the rain, this time not from drink, but from fear. He'd just murdered his new wife Oume. Well, Oiwa had tricked him into murdering her, but it was only fair since Oume had been so eager to replace her. Oiwa wondered what Ieman would do next. He was an accomplished liar, but it would take great mastery to explain Oume's death. People cared about Oume. They would ask after her if she was gone, unlike O'Iwa, who had no one in the world but Iemon after her father died. Based on where he was headed, it seemed Iemon had a plan. He was going to his and O'Iwa's old home, or rather just beside it, to his in-law's house. Perhaps the brave man would blame his new wife's death on a mysterious bandit. According to the fractured memories that resurfaced in her mind, that's who he'd blamed after killing Oiwa. <laughs> Iemon rapped on the door, calling out for Dr. Kihei, Omei's grandfather. He demanded that the servants open up. He was a man of distinction now and would not be ignored. Still, no one came. Oiwa laughed. Marrying into money couldn't improve a man like Iemon. If that was the case, he'd have been a man of distinction after marrying her. Even O'Iwa's father was richer than her husband when she first met him, but her father didn't mind giving her to an umbrella maker if she loved him. He only wanted O'Iwa to be happy. This sweet recollection unearthed another memory and another murder. Oiwa let out a guttural moan at the thought of her beloved father, who'd protected her when she left Ieman. He'd even drawn a sword and gone outside to fight Ieman when he came to take her back. Oiwa heard a scream and rushed out to find her father dead on the road. At the time, Ieman said a bandit, yes, another bandit, had slain her father. At the time, Oiwa believed it and reconciled with him. At the time, she was a fool. Now she knew better. So she went back to watching Ieman demanding entrance to his in-law's house. He was ready to lie again, but she'd throw him off course. Ieman paused as the door to Omei's family home swung open. It seemed there was another door beyond it. As Iemon stepped closer, he saw that a dark shape writhed against the door, bound to it by waterlogged ropes. Iemon's mouth fell open in horrified recognition. It was O'Iwa, looking exactly how she did on the day he'd thrown her into the river. She flailed and struggled against the bonds, spitting up water and river debris with a wet gurgle. Iemon cried out in surprise as the shape freed itself, falling towards him with outstretched hands. Iamon acted on instinct. He stepped back with a disgusted look, and his sword extended. It shouldn't have struck anything, but it did. The shape fell to the ground with a wheeze. The second door was gone, and no ropes hung from the struggling, bleeding shape. Iamon squinted through the rain. Dr. Kihei lay before him, Iemon's blade buried in his chest. Oiwa felt a ripple of contentment. Iemon had killed her father, and now she'd killed the closest thing Iemon had to one. Iemon cried out in rage as he tried to help, but the doctor was bleeding out. He coughed at Iemon. What have you done, you fiend? No. O'Iwa thought. That wouldn't do. She couldn't have Iemon stealing the credit. This sad little doctor certainly hadn't stopped Oume from pursuing a married man or a married man from pursuing Oume back. He had to know it was O'Iwa. O'Iwa appeared to them in a flash of lightning. Both men gasped. She'd once been beautiful, but now her drooping, swollen eye and nearly bald head sent shivers down their spines. Iemon cried out, his voice raw. Leave me alone, O'Iwa. Haven't you understood yet? I don't want you, you foul creature. O'Iwa felt serene in the face of his fury. Oh, Iemon. I am a Yurei, and you are my unfinished business. You cannot run from me, neither can your accomplices. I will destroy you all, for only then can I fade from this world. If Ieman was wise, he would seek out a priest and cover himself in Buddhist sutras. He would beg his ancestors for help. But Ieman had never been wise. He ran into the house calling for help, but the house did not stir. All Oiwa heard was Ieman's panicked breaths, ragged and shallow. She wanted to be closer to him. She wanted him to feel how she'd felt. So she stepped into him, just as she'd floated into Oume. Oiwa relished Iemon's panic as he ran from room to room. He wondered if he was half dead, drifting through a world between worlds already. He was just as confused as Oiwa had been, and she wanted to savor this fear forever. But she made sure to step out and appear to Iemon just as a man ran up to him. Ieman struck out with his sword to hurt Oiwa, but he stabbed one of Oume's brothers instead. The man's voice was choked with blood as he called out, Iemon, Ieman killed me. These were words Oiwa could never say to the world before she died. Now she howled them at Iemon as he ran through the house, each door transforming into a dark abyss in front of him. It looked just like the river he'd used to silence her. She shook her head. You killed me and now you are alone, my love. Oiwa launched herself at Ieman, sending him scurrying down the hall. She swirled around and above and beside him like a dark cloud. She watched him panic as a figure approached him in the half light, a glinting blade drawn. Ieman knocked the enemy's blade aside and slashed at them. Oiwa let the cloud dissipate and was just as shocked as Iemon to see that he'd killed a serving boy. His arm was severed, and his entrails spilled onto the floor. Oiwa almost regretted this, until the sight unlocked another painful remembrance. She floated down beside Iemon and spoke with hot tears in her eyes. Does this remind you of our son? Oiwa did not remember having a child, but she remembered losing him. There was a void at her center where her little boy was supposed to be. She did not know how, but she knew it was Iemon's fault. Iemon looked like he wanted to tell her something, but instead he turned from the horrible sight and ran to the front of the house. Oiwa allowed his escape just this once. She had to collect herself. But as she heard the door open, Oiwa felt herself pulled in Ieman's direction. And for the first time, she wondered whether she was chasing her husband or if she was actually bound to him. Oiwa was dragged out the door as Ieman stumbled into the night, Tripping headfirst into the puddle of water and blood by Dr. Kihei's body, he scrambled to his feet and ran down the street as far away from the river as he could. He glanced around, worried that Oiwa was following him. Oiwa was just as worried, for she couldn't stop following. This bond was stronger than she thought deeper than any marriage, sealed by a promise broken and a death that came too soon. She couldn't seem to get close enough, so she dove into his body again. The river of Iemon's mind was practically boiling with fear, and while Oiwa wanted to revel in it, she now worried she'd have to swim in it forever. She learned that Iemon wanted to be away from people. The body count was getting too high. He would not be able to explain it away. He would have to flee and start again. He wrapped his traveling jacket around him and donned his wide-brimmed hat. He decided to go to the Snake Mountain Hermitage. It was remote and peaceful. There, he could seek out the protections he needed and hide from what remained of his vengeful wife. slipped out of Iemon. She could barely muster a smile at his panic as he lit a paper lamp and hopped around the puddles on the road out of town. Every time Iemon jumped, she felt herself follow. She was bound to him. He was her lover and her killer, haunting her just as much as she haunted him. Every encounter with him unlocked a new memory of their terrible past, and at first, those dark recollections gave her clarity and power. Now, O'Iwa felt a twinge of shame as she wondered, did some deep down part of her miss him? Was this the last truth left to uncover, and the real reason she couldn't stop following? Iemon ran faster, and Oiwa felt herself float after him. She didn't know how things would end, and she was sure it wouldn't be easy. But she made a vow. She would not let Iemon control her any longer. Coming up, Oiwa goes in for the kill and learns a dark truth. Now, back to the story. Ieman was many hours into his trek through the forest when he heard the roar of a horrible monster in the trees. He was sure it was Oiwa, his dead wife. She'd tricked him into killing his new wife, Oume, as well as Oume's father, brother, and his child servant and no matter what he did, he couldn't get rid of her. He spun in a full circle, holding his lantern the same way he held a blade, as if the weak glow could somehow pierce the darkness that frightened him so. The paper had been stretched over a small wooden cage that Iemon had made himself at his old umbrella shop. It was perfectly symmetrical, and the paper was the faintest yellow but then its shape began to shift. The warm cylinder became a cold misshapen thing with one swollen eye and one crusted one. Stringy dark hair sprouted from the top of the wooden frame and the lantern seemed to shake with the effort of its transformation. Pock marks appeared on the crinkled paper, then a perfect flat little nose, Finally, a blood red mouth emerged, its sharp white teeth glistening. Oiwa's mouth. Iemon screamed and dropped the lantern, reaching for his sword. But he could see nothing in the forest darkness. He whispered, Oiwa? He felt a presence answer in the dark. You look like a child, Iemon. Vulnerable and scared, like the sun we had, or almost had. I must confess your fear only draws me closer to you. Oiwa floated out of the dark, and Iemon fell back to the ground. Oiwa bore down on him, right up to his face, closer even, until her spectral form was half inside Iemon's body, so close that their thoughts were one. There she whispered, you loved me enough to marry me and hated me enough to slay me. (laughs) If I'm obsessed, it's all your fault. Iemon shook his head confused, but Oiwa, I didn't slay you. Suddenly, the ground fell out beneath Oewa. The river of her mind joined with the river of Ieman's mind and carried her away to things she had not wanted to see. The full story of how she had perished. Dr. Kihei had been quite the future grandfather-in-law, Ever helpful, he understood that divorcing a pregnant wife would be exceedingly difficult for Iemon, even with his support. So he'd offered Iemon a deadly poison that he could slip into Oiwa's food. Oiwa had been eating for two, so her discomfort came quickly. She'd gone to Kihei himself, believing a noble neighbor like him could never mean her harm. He offered her many draughts and powders, assuring her that she and her son would be better in a night or two. Then he'd offered her his most important medicine, a facial cream favored by noble ladies like his granddaughter, Oume. Oewa had never seen such luxury, and she gladly accepted the gift. The cream was the palest white, but small flecks of silver metal twinkled from each semi-liquid peak. Oiwa began with her eyes first. The cream stung a little, but when it dried, it offered a pleasant tightness. Oiwa liked to pretend that she was the empress herself, preparing for bed. She kept this routine up religiously, just as Dr. Kihei had told her. The cream soothed her and eased the pain of her pregnancy. But when she went out, she heard whispers in town, whispers about her marriage. She tried to ignore them at first, until the look of pity on her neighbor's faces became too much for her. She went to Iemon, My love, I've heard a terrible rumor that you have been untrue. Eamon let out a dry laugh. Who could be faithful to a creature that looks like you? I was going to pay a man to seduce you, you know, so that I could divorce you and marry Oume in peace and honor. But he took one look at you and gave me my money back. Oiwa didn't understand. She wasn't vain. But then she looked in the mirror. Her right eye was swollen, so distended that it looked like it might tumble from its socket to the tatami mat below. The left had drooped nearly past her cheekbone. She reached up to her dark hair in panic, trying to draw it in front of her face, but as she pulled, it fell away in bloody chunks. She wailed and threw the mirror to the floor. Terrible pain filled her belly right where her son was. She felt something wet beneath her robes, but she didn't care. She understood what Kihei had done and why Iemon was so callous. She launched herself at her husband, but he threw her to the floor and walked out. Oiwa lay there crying until her whole body ached and her legs were caked in blood. Her child was gone and so was her husband. Now she had no hope and no protection. Ieman's sword glinted on its stand just above her. Oiwa did not hesitate. She drew the sword from its scabbard and took her own life. As her consciousness faded, she decreed, he will never be rid of me he will never be rid of me he will never be rid of me oiwa floated filled with a clarity and peace she had not felt for a long time Yes, Iemon had conspired to take her down. He'd made her life a living nightmare. He'd found her corpse and thrown it into the river, but Oiwa had decided how things should end for herself. She'd kept that freedom, at least. She watched as Iemon pulled himself to his knees and put his hands out in a plea. Oiwa, please, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I don't want to die. O'Iwan knew he wasn't worthy of forgiveness. She knew her purpose. If she drove Iemon to his own end, then she would be free to move on into the next world. But as she took in his pathetic, trembling figure, the thought displeased her. She no longer loved Iemon. She had never really loved him, and he certainly wasn't good company. But if he died... She did not want Iemon to have the peace and power that death had brought her. So Oiwa decided she would make him destroy everyone he touched, but she would not let Iemon die. She felt the river of her mind open up beneath her, but it wasn't just deep now, it was wide. Her capacity for revenge knew no bounds. Oiwa felt a cold draft move through her heart as she glided forward and Iemon shrank back. She placed one hand on his cheek and the other on his heart. Then she whispered, "'Don't worry, my love. You will not die today, but I will be with you always. Always. Then Oiwa disappeared inside Iamon, and in the months that followed, she spent every moment plaguing his mind, until he lost it entirely. Oiwa's monstrosity is drawn from her appearance, and her uneven eyes and poison-ravaged skin cause her to descend into madness. Her disfigurement fills her with chijoku, or shame, and it leads to her death and her enlightenment. In spirit form, Oiwa revels unapologetically in her appearance and weaponizes it. She's able to make her husband kill his loved ones by pasting her terrible visage onto theirs. This once shamed woman has grown defiant, scarily so. But in many ways, Iemon was frightened of Oiwa even before he fed her poison to alter her looks. In nearly every version of Oiwa and Iemon's tale, he refuses to act directly against her. He uses other agents to end his marriage so he can still appear honorable. He has a persistent fear of his wife's anger, which has roots in the culture of the era. Anger was very taboo for non-noble women in Edo period Japan. It was often seen as entitlement. And while shame may have led to Oiwa's demise, anger plays an equal role in her ultimate tragic fate. It colors her vengeance, too, which, like a strange virus, spreads far beyond the people who initially hurt her. Her anger infects each victim who learns of her story. But anger is as powerful as it is terrifying. In death, Oiwa finally has the power to acknowledge her own hurt and punish those who caused it, as well as a few others. Perhaps the real fear Oiwa represents isn't the terror of anger, but the terror of what happens when those we've harmed become powerful enough to strike back. Either way, watch out. You've learned Oiwa's story, so I humbly implore you to pay her your respects, acknowledge her pain, or she'll become the cause of yours. Thanks for listening to Mythical Monsters. We'll be back next week with a new journey through the land of monstrous myth, a zoological expedition through ancient Greece where we'll meet the beasts who terrorized Hercules. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. I'll see you next time. Mythical Monsters is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound design by Brian Golub, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Aaron Larson. This episode of Mythical Monsters was written by Lil DeRitter and Jennifer Richey, with writing assistance by Amin Osman and Nora Battelle, fact-checking by Bennett Logan, and research by Adriana Gomez. I'm Vanessa Richardson.
2: Hi, listeners, it's Carter. Here's a quick reminder to check out the Solved Murders four-part special Party Fowls. Every Wednesday in August, take a closer look at four celebrations that ended in horrific fashion. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Solved Murders. Listen free only on Spotify.